everybody. Welcome to Hidden Gems Podcast. This is the show where we talk about streaming services and the hidden gems that you can find on the various streaming services. It's a lot of fun. We really enjoyed doing it. I'm film critic Rachel Wagner and Ryan is here. Uh, hey, Rachel. It's great to be back with you once again. Uh, over the past couple of weeks, I've just been having a lot of fun doing the you reacting to my picks, I react to your picks, and then the streaming preview. Had a lot of fun doing that. But Yeah, that was good. That's it's fun. nice to go back to the uh, to the old formula and talking about just focusing on one streaming service. It's nice to bust out, you know, something new every once in a while, but it's it's always nice to go back to old reliable. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. It's good to shake it up, but then also good to have our standards. And this is actually we're talking about Hulu today, and we've only done Hulu a couple times, so this is kind of new in a way. This is Hulu number three, if my memory. Yeah right so we're pretty new on this service and i think we have some pretty good picks this time around i mean we both have good taste not to pat <laughs> back too much not to toot our, toot our own horns but to toot. yeah <laughs> all right well let's dive in let's talk about i will go first and my first pick is from last year is a movie that got kind of ignored is the secret garden from 2020 and this is a, a, a pretty classic telling of the classic story it has uh some great actors with colin firth and julie walters and i love both of them so much colin firth isn't in it a ton it's definitely more of the little girl uh, and her story and uh, it's play played by dixie eggerichs <laughs> And they definitely play into the whole idea of sort of magic in the garden and that there's something special there and that it has kind of magical qualities. And I mean, I really love the whole story of Secret Garden. So I was really uh, interested in this and it kind of reminded me a little bit of Alfonso Cuaron's version of A Little Princess. I'm, it's not quite on that level, which is just such a beautiful film. <clears throat> but it was similar in the way that it kind of used storytelling and magic to tell the story. And so I, I think if you like that film, you'll probably like this. Didn't they make a musical based off of this? Mm -hmm. And I love it. I think it's very underrated, the musical. But the musical is more Archibald's story, probably, than it is uh, Mary's story. And this one is definitely more Mary's story. And I... I, I really, I really enjoyed it. And the actors do a really good job of capturing kind of the wonder of childhood and the imagination. But yeah, this, the musical is great. I highly recommend it. Yeah, for a, this movie came out in 2020 and I'm not a 2020 basher per se, but when it came, when it comes to movies being released in 2020, it's kind of like that Mystery Science Theater 3000 clip of space is warped and time is bendable. So movies just kind of float in and out. And then I just realized like, wait, that came out last year? And then you yeah. just have to be like, oh yeah, it kind of did, didn't it? <laughs> just one of those movies that got kind of lost in the in the shuffle. There's a great version of Secret Garden in from, I think, 1993 that is absolutely beautiful with, uh, I think has Vanessa Redgrave in it, um, uh, in the, uh, the role that uh, Julie Walters is playing here. And 
uh, it's it's great and i don't know if this is on that level but i still really enjoyed it so what is your first pick so my first pick is a tv show that unfortunately only got one season because i love the creator of this show stephen knight and i love the main star of this show tom hardy the show is called taboo and it tells the story of a man named james kaziah delaney played by hardy played by hardy who returns to his hometown of London uh, to re-inherit his father's shipping business. But his father's shipping business is worth a lot of money, and a lot of interested parties, including rivals and government officials, want to seize it from under him. And Delaney's just not going to do that. Uh, this was created by Stephen Knight and Tom Hardy themselves. They were both incredibly passionate about this show and you can definitely see it. Uh, this is definitely a very stylized show. It is very dark and it can be very disturbing at times, but I do recommend everyone checking it out, especially if you love the show Peaky Blinders. If you're a big fan of that show, this is literally created by the same guy who created Peaky Blinders. And it's ironic because Tom Hardy is in both Peaky Blinders and in Taboo. So that's a nice little connection there. I watched, this, I watched this show when it came out originally on FX. It was, and I was just so in love with it. I recorded it and I would watch each episode the night after it premiered. Like that's rare when that happens for me. And when it got canceled, I was just so sad because I wanted a show like this to succeed, but it looks like it didn't. And all parties have moved on to different things, but it's on Hulu now. And I do highly recommend you all check it out. Like I said, it may not be for everyone, but if you can stomach it, then I think you'll really like it. Yeah, it has Jesse Buckley in it, who I adore and love. And oh, yeah. In the cast. And, and, and then it also has Jonathan Price, who's great. Oh, yeah, he is a, he's a horrible human being in that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no spoilers, but you will hate him very quickly. Do you know if this is based on a true story or if it's fiction? If it is, if it's based on a true story, I'm not aware of it. Uh, mm. I, to my knowledge, it is a work of fiction. Cool. Yeah, I love Jessie Buckley. She's amazing. So that's interesting. I never heard of this till you till you brought it up, which is the fun part about this show. Yeah, like, to... like I said, it unfortunately got the axe, especially during a pretty tasty uh, cliffhanger for a second season that is probably never going to happen. Oh, man. Which, which is sad. But I like, but Tom Hardy is still rocking out as, as he usually is. And Stephen Knight is doing cool things as well. So I'm not going to cry too hard over it. Yeah. Well, my next pick is admittedly a bit of a stretch as far as hidden gems. I get it, but I don't know. I still feel like it's not talked about enough. And it is Bumblebee. It's the, uh, the, <laughs> uh, what do you say? The, not the resurrection, the, um, uh redemption redemption that's literally the redemption <laughs> of the transformers series and i really enjoyed it i didn't enjoy the other transformers movies but i really like this one it is pretty classic as far as the story uh with kind of girl meeting uh this you know this robot slash alien <clears throat> that we've seen in a lot of other stories and you know, it definitely pays homage to et and and uh how to train your dragon i mean there's just a bunch of sort of stories like that 
but I still really enjoyed it. I thought that it was really well done. It was very sweet. I really liked Haley Steinfeld uh, as the kind of troubled adolescent girl uh, that needs her friend, Bumblebee. And uh, I liked John Cena in it. I liked the whole cast. And I, I don't know, I just, I really thought it was a sweet heartfelt film. Yeah, I remember watching. Uh, I remember watching this movie literally like on one night in December in 2018. I watched Mary Poppins Returns, Aquaman, and this all in one night. Mm. And a lot, a lot of that night kind of blurs together for me because it was <laughs> like I gotta see everything. I gotta yeah. see everything. <laughs> but I, I remember because I like the elements of this movie. I love Haley Steinfeld. I think she's great. Edge of 17, True Grit remake. She's awesome. Uh, as a pro wrestling fan, I love John Cena. Like he's pretty much fits the role of like the evil, like soldier guy, mm -hmm. like with the chiseled jaw and the flat top and just, and the muscles. Like he pretty much fits that to a T. Like he pretty much he pretty much got the peacemaker role in the Suicide Squad just for being himself. Just yeah. hopefully, hopefully the audience can see it. Well, I think this is a good example of taking a formula and then executing it well. And, and so everything doesn't have to be like super original to be satisfying. If they take the pieces and they execute it well, then I'm, I'm fine with that. And that can be really comforting and really pleasant to watch and something that has that familiar kind of beats that we like in a story. I mean, I think those tropes exist because we like them and it, they can be done badly and they can be done well. And I think this is one done well. And Travis Knight had been over at Laika and he brought, I think a lot of his talents over to Bumblebee that you didn't see with Michael Bay and everything is just way more subtle and, uh, and moving and well done uh, compared to Michael Bay. I mean, Michael Bay would definitely have her in some kind of slinky outfit and, mm -hmm. you know, there would definitely be uh, some really annoying humor, poor humor. And <laughs> uh, yeah, it would, and it would be really long. And so you don't have that with this at all. It's not even over two hours. So I really, really liked it. I thought it was great. I consider myself a bit of a Michael Bay defender. I I like his directing style. I respect a lot of the music video and commercial work he did before his movies. But if people don't like him, I totally get it. And his later Transformers movies are just hard work. Like I remember one of the first big videos I did for this year was rewatching all the Transformers movies. And uh, wow, I... It was not fun for like the last half of it, but I made my way through it. Yeah. I mean, and as someone who enjoyed the TV show growing up, I it, it was all very frustrated because I feel like there is a lot of potential there in the storytelling that you could do, but nobody did it until Travis Knight did it, in my opinion, at least. I mean, the first one is tolerable, but I still, I don't know. I don't really like the way that he films women and I don't really like his sense of humor. So it's even his good movies are usually not my favorite, uh, but uh, especially when I'm, I'm talking about Transformers particularly. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so this was a breath of fresh air uh, in the world of Transformers, that's for sure. I'm crossing my fingers for when you and Conrado cover either The Rock or Armageddon on the Criterion Project. <laughs>
so bonkers. <laughs> if they ever had that on the Criterion channel, I can't even imagine. Because those two <laughs> movies are in the collection and yeah. RoboCop. <laughs> Weird. RoboCop, I've never seen, but evidently that does have some pretty like style to it. Um, I don't know what they were thinking with Armageddon. Oh my gosh. I need to write Armageddon is very memorable to me because it's the first movie that I really disliked that my friends really liked. Uh, everybody has that experience where you're just kind of like sitting watching a movie with your friends and everybody else is like yeah yeah and I'm like this is so stupid <laughs> you sure about that sure about that yeah <laughs> so yeah anyway what do you have next so my next choice and speaking of things that are definitely on the tightrope of a hidden gem it's Die Hard with a Vengeance. And I think that this is the most underrated of the Die Hard movies. Uh, it, for a third movie, this, should, this concept should have just been blood dry. But, but thankfully, they actually provided a bit of a new twist with it. Instead of having John McClane, well, let me talk about the plot first. The plot is essentially the brother of Hans Gruber, Simon, played by Jeremy Irons, has it out for John McClane. While that's going on, he tries to steal a lot of money. So two birds, one stone and all that. And John McClane, who has hit rock bottom in his life, has to solve a bunch of intricate puzzles put out by Simon and with the help of, of his, I guess, sidekick Zeus, played by Samuel L. Jackson. Like I said, this concept should have just been dead and buried after the first one, but they somehow managed to stretch it to five. But out of all of those... The one I go back to the most is number three. I think it has a lot of crazy action, a lot of awesome stunts, a lot of practical stunts from what I was able to see, which is a rarity nowadays, unfortunately. Uh, Bruce Willis retains a lot of his charm without being too cynical, like in that fifth movie we don't talk about. Like Even though a lot of bad stuff has happened to him, he still is like, he still is laser focused on the mission. Samuel L. Jackson is there. He's there to provide all the one-liners, but it's Samuel L. Jackson, so he's awesome. And on the whole, this is just a really fun movie. I, I just love the dynamic between Jackson and Willis and a, a combo that would be in movies like Pulp Fiction and, uh, and, uh, and Unbreakable and that Unbreakable trilogy. So they would be in a lot of movies together. But yeah. anyway... It's definitely walking the borderline of Aiden Gem, but if you have not seen Die Hard with a Vengeance, I do recommend it. Yeah, I've only ever seen the first Die Hard. It's the only one I've seen, and I did enjoy it. It's definitely a really well-done action movie, and, of course, a Christmas movie. <laughs> <laughs> is this one set at Christmas? <laughs> no, it is set in the summer. In oh, in July, summer. Oh, is... not as good then. <laughs> which is where the rest of the movies would go. But as far as the rest of the movies go, you can pretty much skip two and definitely skip five. Three and four are actually pretty good. Isn't four the one that's PG-13 and made everybody Ig irritated? Ignore that. It's just a bunch of crap. <laughs> it's honestly, a lot of that stuff is more violent than in, in the original. Yeah. The original probably gets, it's already more for the um, language yeah. than anything and else. They put the PG-13 on there because the because they wouldn't allow Bruce Willis to say yippee kaye mother, you know. Right. Yeah. It, just, <laughs> it was just ridiculous. It was my first. What's your vote? 
Do you think that that's a Christmas movie or not? Die Hard? Original Die Hard. Oh, absolutely. Yes, it is. It takes <laughs> place on Christmas Eve. There's Christmas decorations everywhere. The first song you hear in the movie is a Christmas song by Run DMC. It's a Christmas movie through and through. Yeah, I mean, I think if a character literally says ho, 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 then <laughs> no, you gotta count it. I, I mean, have, come on. No, I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. ho. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that the way that Alan Rickman plays that part is so brilliant because you really understand his motivations as a character. You really get it, why he's doing what he's doing. And that makes him work so well as a villain. Yeah, he doesn't get carried away either. He's not like a crazy terrorist or he's like, you know, like I'm going to destroy everything. Like he's literally there to get in and get mm -hmm. out with as little like interruptions as possible. He's a businessman of crime if such a thing exists. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, my next pick is also violent, but it's animated violence. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about Akira is my next pick. And this is certainly very well known in the world of animation slash anime. Everybody knows about Akira. It's a classic, but I think in maybe the regular world, maybe it's more of a hidden gem <laughs> mm. if you're talking to people. Uh, but I have it in my top 50 animated films countdown, cheap plug, as you like to say, um, yeah. <laughs> Akira in there. Uh, it's such a visceral experience. I, the, the, the plot is, is kind of all over the place a little bit, so you kind of have to just sort of appreciate it for what it is. And it's got just the most incredible sound design, the incredible animation. And it's basically about this dystopian world of Neo-Tokyo, and this uh, band of, uh, this gang, when I say band gang, uh, that is trying to fight against this, um, uh, this cover up by the government. And uh, there's uh, all kinds of crazy fantasies. And when they get under the, the, uh, the medicine of this, uh, of this government conspiracy, and they end up at one point seeing a giant teddy bear and there's all kinds of craziness. It's a crazy movie, but I just really like it. I think it's really well done and it's just such an experience to watch. The animation is so beautiful and the sound design is so visceral. It's, it's, if you ever get a chance to see it in a theater, I highly recommend it. Yeah, I remember, um, cheap plug, I remember watching this for my I Finally Watched series for like the this was the first one in like a really long time. This was the reboot for the series. It was a movie that I wanted to watch for the longest time. And when I finally did, it was like that scene in Spaceballs where, where the, uh, the ship goes ludicrous speed and they go plaid and, and Barf goes, what the hell was that? Like that was my exact reaction after Akira. Finished. I was like, what did I just watch? But <laughs> I have a lot of respect for it. I, I, like you said, the animation is gorgeous, especially watch this on Blu-ray or 4K if you can afford it, because it is literally just like, I get why the like future funk and like, like steampunk and all of this got steam. It's because of this movie. Like you can see the inspiration for this in just a lot of stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. And it's one that you can appreciate new things every time you watch it because it is so kind of crazy 
that that you the first time you're just sort of overwhelmed and then then the second time you you notice some more things and then you keep growing on it and uh, to me this is the kind of I guess if I was going to pick sci-fi this is the kind that I would prefer over the like super super slow and tedious variety I would rather have something that's like kind of crazy and manic over something that's like and I walked along the, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh. And so like, I would say that it, it, to me, a live action comparable would be like the fifth element with its kind of manic craziness. Oh yeah. It's kind of similar to this, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. This is a movie that should be studied in like film theory or cinema studies classes, mm -hmm. because this could be taken in like a thousand different directions in terms of interpretation and the answer would more often be yes yeah whatever it is yes yeah i mean akira and ghost in the shell both were so influential on so many films after it that it's worth seeing both just for that alone but i would prefer akira over ghost in the shell because the akira has more my style pacing so but yeah it's uh, it's a really good film people should check it out all right what do you have next so my next choice is uh, going from uh, late 80s anime to 2010s spy thrillers. Go, it, I'm going to be talking about Salt. Uh, this was directed by Philip Noyce, and it was written by the guy who also wrote Equilibrium, a very underrated movie starring Christian Bale. Uh, it tells the story of a woman named Evelyn Salt, played by Angelina Jolie. She's a CIA agent. She is very good at her job. However, as she is working on uncovering a Russian conspiracy, they bring in a Russian agent who is asked, who is the mole in our agency? And the guy says her name is Evelyn Salt. And she's like, uh, my name is Evelyn Salt. And so the movie is just one big cat and mouse game of her trying to figure out if she's a Russian, meanwhile running from the people who she called her friends. This is a movie that definitely fell under the radar, especially in, in 2010. But when I watched it, I just thought it was, it was really good. It was really entertaining. Uh, Angelina Jolie is, uh, it, it's, it is, can be pretty good. I love her in Laura Croft Tomb Raider and in a bunch of other movies, and she's really good here. She actually puts her working boots on and does some of her own stunts, which looked that, which that looked really cool. There's some, there's a pretty entertaining foot chase near about the middle of the movie. You'll know it when you see it. And then uh, Liev Schreiber is in it. And there's something about Liev Schreiber's voice that I just love. That's why he's so awesome in so many HBO documentaries. Like you get Liev Schreiber in there and he just adds like an, like an umami flavor that just makes everything taste so much better. Then you have Chiwetel Ejiofor, who's been in the MCU and a bunch of other movies that I can name. Uh, he's really good in here as well. It's not the greatest spy movie ever, but it is very entertaining with a very intriguing mystery and a very fascinating premise. I do recommend it if you haven't seen it. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I remember seeing the trailers and stuff, and then it just kind of disappeared, and I never, I never watched it. But uh, that's good to hear that it's worth a watch. Which it was interesting considering that Jolie was kind of a big deal in the 2000s from right. what I remember. 
That's true. That was was that was peak uh, uh, what Brangelina drama. <laughs> oh. oh God. <laughs> All right. Well, my my next choice is very different. Hard left, as you like to say. Uh, I'm talking about the 1941 film How Green Was My Valley. And this one best picture, so you could say, how is it a hidden gem? Well, I think that it's kind of gotten an unnecessary amount of hate for the fact that it won best picture over Citizen Kane. Mm. And Citizen Kane is wildly regarded as the greatest film ever made. And it's certainly a great film and I I really admire it. Uh, But I still think this is a good film just because it won over an arguably better film, depending on your, your point of view. Uh, doesn't mean it's terrible. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, I, I think that it tells a good story about this uh, Welsh mining village town and them trying to get their children to take different paths than them and learning to kind of love their town and love who their family. And Maureen O'Hara is always great. I loved her in, in, in pretty much any role she ever did. I, I, I think she's such a, a good act. She was such a good actress. And then you have it directed by John Ford, who is a really great director. And so you have a lot of beautiful uh, cinematography and beautiful uh, directing. And overall, it's a moving uh, film about a town and about a family. And uh, so I, I don't think it deserves the hate that it gets just because it's not Citizen Kane. <laughs> yeah, this this movie feels more like the answer to a trivia question than like a regarded film. It's like, yeah. hey, what movie beat Citizen Kane to win Best Picture? Yeah, I don't know. It's <laughs> my valley. Yeah, but it's actually good. It's not a bad film. <laughs> yeah, and I will defend was- it. <laughs> And this movie was directed by John Ford. And I think in like the great pantheon of like great directors, John Ford is definitely in the conversation for greatest of all time. Oh, Ford yeah. Worked a lot with John Wayne uh, in movies like Stagecoach and The Searchers. And one of my personal favorite movies ever, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, which I've recommended here on the mm-hmm. podcast in the first Hoopla episode. He has so many good ones. Yeah, I loved Stagecoach. I watched that for the first time last year, and I loved that. And uh, The Man Who Shot Liberty Balance, I did that for Blind Spot not too long ago, and I loved that. That was way better than I expected. The Grapes of Wrath, uh, The Quiet Man, I love. Uh, he just has a ton of really great films. Yeah, and uh, I definitely have not seen this movie, and I, and I, and I've been meaning to because... I, because I watched Citizen Kane for the AFI project and, and loved it and I thought it was great. But I was sitting there like, how on earth did How Green Was My Valley beat Citizen Kane of all things? So now I kind of yeah. have to watch it to kind of see, all right, let's see what happens. Yeah, I think it's the situation of a, a kind of your legacy people being involved in this one versus uh, Citizen Kane at the time was from a new director. It was a new, you know, new, new people. And uh, it was just a new kind of concept for making a film. And so I think that's probably why this one got picked over that. I think that usually the Academy goes with something more traditional over something more experimental. And that always hasn't paid dues. <laughs> right. 
but you know, like in 94 going with Forrest Gump versus uh, Pulp Fiction, you know, they're going to pick the more traditional film versus the more experimental film. Exactly. So, uh, all right, well, what's your next pick? So my next choice is from 2009 and it is Night at the Museum, Battle of the Smithsonian. I love all of the Night at the Museum movies. They're not like like cinema they're not like top tier stuff but they're just fun family movies in my opinion and uh and in this one uh ben stiller is a security guard who gets uh, who goes to the smithsonian after many of his friends who are who are a part of the exhibits have been moved to the smithsonian and they're about to be taken over by the Pharaoh Kumanra, played by Hank Azaria. This movie has a loaded cast. You have Ben Stiller, Owen Wilson, Amy Adams, Hank Azaria, like I said, the late Robin Williams, may rest in peace. No, I could go on and on. And Which one is this in the series? This is number two. Neither okay, of them was first, this is second, and then Secret of the Tomb is the third. And this is just... Like I said, I think this is just a really fun movie. It's got, it's honestly really funny without being like, like eye rolling. Like there's a great scene where Hank Azaria as Kuman Ra is rounded up. Ivan the Terrible, Napoleon Bonaparte. And there was one other, there was one other like great villain of history that, that he, uh, that, that he recruits that I can't think of, but as, but as he's explaining his plan, one of them raises their hand and he's like, yes. And he's like, why are you wearing a dress? And, and Kuman Ra's like, I'm not wearing a dress. This is a tunic. This is traditional Egyptian garb. And then literally all the questions are about this tunic. And eventually Kuman Ra's like, does anyone have any questions about the, about the plan? And then Napoleon raises his hand and he's like, is, it, is this about the dress, tunic? And then Napoleon puts his hand down. <laughs> it's it. I'm not doing it justice. It's actually pretty fun. But yeah, this is a good family movie. I think. I think I'm. You're. You're definitely in the wheelhouse of family movies, and not me. But if I had to pick a family movie, like out of like a like a set, I would definitely pick this one. Yeah, I remember enjoying the first two. The third, I didn't love. I can't remember why. <laughs> I remember not thinking it was as good. As the others, uh, I I don't remember, but yeah, they're harmless, fun little family movies. Uh, they're not gonna, you know, win any awards or anything, but I think they're enjoyable and uh, yeah, great cast. You can't go wrong. Yeah, with that cast and special effects and and everything like that. So, good choice. Well, my last choice is uh, also a fun family film, and it's from our old dearly departed friends at Blue Sky, and right. it is. What's that? Rest in peace. Oh, I know. Uh, and it is Rio. And this is, there's two Rio films. The second one is not good. The first one is good. And it is about this macaw named Blue, who is got kind of a privileged life uh, in Minnesota and domesticated. And he ends up getting uh, taken, lost, whatever, to when she goes to Rio. And he has to figure out a way to make it on his own. But then there's also a female macaw voiced by Anne Hathaway. The blue is voiced by Jesse Eisenberg. And they have all kinds of adventures in Rio. 
And it's just a fun movie. It's got some fun musical sequences. The animation is very beautiful. And uh, yeah, I think that uh, it's worth a watch. I primarily remember this for the trailer when uh, when Rio's trying to fly for the first time and they just, and he and Anne Hathaway just like crash into each other for several times. Then they land on the beach and the bird voice by George Lopez is like, you did not feel it in here. And Anne Hathaway just is like, you think? <laughs> <laughs> I saw yeah. that trailer so many times. It's like burned into my brain. Well, it has just an incredible cast. Leslie Mann, Jane Lynch, Will I Am, Wanda Sykes, Jamie Foxx, Jermaine Clement. I mean, just huge. So Jermaine Clement is the villain of the story. And he's really he plays good a lot of villains, so that does sound right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like in Moana. So I, I think it's cute. I enjoy it. And uh, I really love the animation. I think it's beautiful. The colors and the, the music, uh, the kind of samba inspired music from Rio is really fun. So what is your last pick? So my last choice is from 2008 and it is The Forbidden Kingdom. I could pretty much just say Jackie Chan and Jet Li in one movie together and then just leave it at that. And I guess I'll leave it at that, with, with, but I'll say like a couple more things. This movie is, it has a plot about like trying to free this one character called the Monkey King who is set to set free this realm that has been imprisoned. And that's pretty much all you need to know about the plot. The draw of this movie is Jackie Chan and Jet Li. We both know who they are. Just go to town on each other in several just amazingly staged fights. I mean, Jackie Chan, again, I could go down like a long list of his accolades. Police Story, you know, the Rush Hour movies. Like he's just, he's just amazing in his like stunt work and his physical comedy. And Jet Li is awesome as well in, in many other movies as well. And literally, this movie is just Jackie Chan and Jet Li in a movie together and they fight a lot. That's all I need to say. Yeah, I haven't seen this one. I really enjoy martial arts movies. And I mean, Jackie Chan, Jet Li, oh my gosh. Definitely, I'll have to give this a watch sometime. That sounds really fun. Yeah, it is. Do they fly like the Wuxia? I, I do not believe that they do. If they do yeah. fly, then it's with the use of like staffs or something. Mm -hmm. and they, like, like go up and then like back down again. Because sometimes I don't really like that, the flying. Uh, so I prefer it if they fly. <laughs> it kind of takes me out of the movie when all of a sudden they're like flying in the middle of the scene. But no, I understand they, it's part of that culture. They don't fly. Yeah, cool. Well, that sounds good. So I think we gave a pretty wide variety <laughs> on this list. <laughs> you are definitely spoiled for choice out there. Yeah, that's right. So let us know what you think of our picks this week. We would love to hear your thoughts. And uh, what have you been watching on Hulu? Uh, there's some great non-hidden gems on Hulu, things like Palm Springs. Uh, you definitely want to check that out. And uh, Nomadland is on Hulu. There's some really good stuff on Hulu right now. So make sure to, to take a look at the streaming service. It's really got a lot of good stuff. So Ryan, where can people find you? 
Uh, they can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at RyanCam20. Then there's, of course, my YouTube channel, which is just called RyanCam. Uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday, which means on Monday, I dropped an AFI project video for Modern Times, the Charlie Chaplin film. Tomorrow, or Wednesday, I'll be dropping an AFI project video for The Wild Bunch, which was directed by Sam Peckinpah and was way ahead of its time in terms of filmmaking. And then Friday, I'll be dropping an AFI project video for, for the Billy Wilder film, The Apartment. And then this coming Sunday, I'll be dropping a big like review slash retrospective on The Fifth Element, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. So if you want to if you want to check me out, please do. Yeah, you all should definitely check it out. It's good stuff. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. Please check that out. We have Muppet May going strong right now for Family Movie Night. And I reviewed this week uh, Labyrinth, which was really fun. And so we have some more. Uh, we're, this is my fourth year doing it. So we're on some a little bit more obscure films and it's a lot of fun from up in may and then also this week i had my latest episode of female film critics speak out which is always so much fun so make sure to check that out and make sure you're also following the hallmarkies podcast we have lots of fun stuff going on over there and uh, thanks so much everybody and we'll talk to you all later bye bye <laughs>